Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com.
So today we're, we're bringing this series of messages to a close, and as we do that, we look back over the last couple of months, we've been talking about a lot of different words that matter, a lot of different phrases that matter, a lot of different emotions that matter. And here at First Christian Church, we have a vision, and that vision is to lead people closer to Jesus. That's really everything that we're about, is to lead people closer to Jesus. And, and these words that we've been talking about and phrases that we've been talking about, they matter to that vision. They matter to people coming in contact and connection with Jesus as well because whether they are words that we're speaking and we are, are speaking to share with one another or whether they are words that we, we speak in our relationship with Jesus, they, they matter to those relationships. And we've looked at a lot of different kinds of phrases and a lot of different words along the way. We, we talked about like the words, I'm sorry, because there comes a point in really any relationship where it is so valuable and so important for you to say the words out loud, I'm sorry. Not to just think the words that you're sorry, not to just feel like you're sorry, but to actually say the words out loud into your relationship. I'm sorry, those words matter. We, we talked about I love you, and it's probably not a big surprise that the words I love you show up in a series about words that matter. I mean, we, we get that, that it's important that we say I love you, but it's important that we say I love you. It's important to hear those words in your life. I love you. But then we also talked about some, some words and some phrases that pertain to our relationship with Jesus in particular. And, and words like I give up, which normally we think of in a negative way. We think it's some, some sense of failure. But when we say I give up to Jesus, it's that's us saying, look, I, I give up trying to resist the ways of God. Okay, I give up trying to stay in control and hang on to the reins of my life. I I give up control and leadership of my life to you, Jesus. I want you to lead from here on. And the only way that we get there and the only reason that we get to that kind of place in our relationship with him is that we've already said, look, I believe. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe Jesus is Lord. And so here's all these words that, that, that are important for us to say and important for us to speak out loud. And last week we talked about some really difficult words for us to speak. Okay, ones that are important, but they're hard for us to say, and those words are, I forgive you. And not just I forgive you to those really easy relationships and easy moments, but I forgive you into the hard relationships and the hard moments and hurtful relationships of your life. If you haven't seen that message, I'd encourage you to go back and watch uh, those words that matter. I forgive you from last week. But lots of words, lots of phrases, lots of conversations that we've been talking about for a couple of months. And so with all of that, in light of all of those words that, that feed into the relationship we have at home and relationships we have in our friendships and relationships that we even have with God, clear view of all of that, I want to go a completely different direction today as we close out this series. Because though it is valuable to think about all those words and though it's valuable to speak some of those words and to recognize that we're reluctant to speak some of those words in our relationships, sometimes the best thing that you can say and the best thing that you can do into a moment, into a relationship is to say nothing. Okay, there are times, there are moments, there are seasons where the less you say into your relationship, the better it's gonna turn out. Okay, there, there are a couple of examples that I can come up with right off the top of my head very quickly. Um, some moments where it's better that you say nothing, that you not speak. Okay, one of those, and let's, let's all just agree to get this one right, okay? It is best not to speak when your mouth is full of food. 
Okay, can we do that? We try and teach our kids to do this, but as adults, we've kind of fallen into a bad habit. When your mouth is full of food, just wait, chew, swallow, then speak, okay? Just kind of follow that pattern for the, for the rest of time, okay? Don't speak when your mouth is full. Second time that you may not want to speak. This is rough for a lot of us. When the subject being talked about is something that you don't actually know anything about, okay? Could you choose not to speak then, okay? Say nothing. Now, this is hard for a lot of us because a lot of us want to believe that we know a little bit about everything, okay? So we're ready to kind of jump in with our two cents. We feel like it's important for us to say those words. And so can, can I just kind of vote with the other half of your brain that's telling you not to speak, that you should not speak in those moments? Third time, that maybe it's best not to say anything, is when the only reason that you're speaking is to fill some vacuum that's in the conversation, okay? When there has just been a long enough pause that you're uncomfortable and so you just start saying things, okay? Especially when the pause that's happened is only a couple of seconds long and the reason there was a pause in the first place is that you finally took a breath to stop talking because you'd been talking the previous 30 minutes, okay? So if the only reason that you're filling space is because you took a breath, just take a breath again and stop talking sometimes. The best thing we can do is say nothing. Now, don't misunderstand me. I realize that there are certain moments and certain things and certain topics and certain situations where we need to speak up and we need to say something. We need to talk into the conversation. It may be that the subject that you're on or the topic that's being discussed is headed towards disaster and you know that with the group of people that you're in, this is not gonna go anywhere good and so you're gonna kinda change the direction of the conversation. That's a good time for you to go ahead and speak up before things get ugly. It may be something that happens this afternoon, okay? You may be out to eat for lunch this afternoon and the service at the place that you're at is just horrible and I realize we're supposed to be patient and I realize that people are, are, have less people working in the restaurants than they had before and all those kinds of things but sometimes it's so bad you've got to say something okay so maybe that's a moment that you have to say something here's another one it's a big one okay if you're sitting across the table maybe it's over coffee maybe it's, it's at breakfast and you're just having a conversation with someone and you notice that they've got something in their teeth okay now the question is how deep is your friendship? Because in that moment, you're gonna make a decision. Is your friendship deep enough for you to actually tell them that they've got spinach sticking out from in between their teeth, or are you gonna keep eye contact with the rest of the conversation, never look down and pretend like there's nothing there? Sometimes your friendship depends on you being willing to speak up and say something. But there's an awful lot of time when we would be better served saying nothing. There are moments that happen, there are relationships that happen, there are seasons that happen, there are situations that happen where it would be better for us to say nothing. And I would say that all of those moments are probably more frequent than you realize. Now, James talked about all of this, and, and we, you've probably looked at this verse before, but James said in James chapter one in the Bible, James chapter one, verse 19, he said, 
you must all, okay, and all means all, just to kind of define the word all for you, all means all of us, you must all be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. It's a pretty, pretty simple breakdown. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Let's make sure we understand the, the progression. It looks like this. It looks like quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. So let's take them one at a time. James says, look, if you're gonna say nothing, there's reasons that you say nothing. You don't just say nothing for no reason at all. The reason that you say nothing, the very first highest priority for saying nothing, he says, is that we would be quick to listen. Now confession time. This one is not my forte. Okay, this does not come naturally to me. There are some things I am quick to do. I, I, am, I am quick to do, I am quick to, um, not quick to jump, I'm quick to run away, I'm quick to go, I'm quick to be annoyed, I'm quick to get frustrated, but I am not quick to listen. I'm learning on that. I'm certainly not there yet, but it's something that I'm working on. I, I used to be someone who was ready to jump into every conversation, okay? And, and it wasn't that I thought that I always knew the topic of discussion, but man, I would love to get into a conversation and get into a debate of sorts that could maybe turn into an argument where you take different sides and you get to kind of prove your point. And man, if we could get into some of those conversations when it came to sports or when it came to movies or when it came to music or, or if, it, if it came down to theology or it came down to politics, I used to love to get in those conversations and just kind of wrestle around in there for a while. But over the past 25 years or so, that has changed for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's changed because I've gotten older, and I don't say that because I've gotten wiser, okay? That's not the reason, that's not why old plays into this. The reason that older plays into this now is I'm just too tired, okay? I'm too tired to get into the argument, and I'm too tired to get into the debate, and I, it's just not worth it to me anymore, especially because of reason number two, and that is that it's very difficult to have conversations and debates and arguments about any of those things whether it's sports or movies or music or theology or politics, and still remain civilized. It seems that we have this inability to not make it turn into a fight, to not let an argument become contentious and, and, and for one of us to become an enemy. And so because that's kind of where we are and we're at that place where we're just unwilling, and if you wonder about that, just watch any social media feed and any social media comment that somebody makes where they take a stand about something, whether you agree with it or not, all it takes is about two comments into the comment section, and now it's a fight. That's who we are. We, we don't have the ability anymore to have these conversations, and so sometimes we're quiet, sometimes we say nothing, sometimes we claim that we're quick to listen because we don't wanna get into the fight right away, 
What I'm starting to catch on to is that James was, was right on all of this. The only time that we're supposed to be quick with something in the midst of all of this is being quick to listen. You remember the story of Jesus going to Mary and Martha's house? It seems like it was an unannounced visit. Jesus just shows up, and as he shows up, there are two responses that happen to the presence of Jesus in their home. If you remember, it's Martha who uh, is quick to host. Martha is quick to task. Martha is quick to cook. Martha is quick to prepare. Martha is quick to clean. Martha is quick to set the table. But then there's Mary. And from the moment that she heard that Jesus was coming to their house, Mary just pulled up a hunk of dirt and sat down and was ready to listen to everything and anything that Jesus would have to say. The only thing she was quick to do is say nothing and listen. And what, what did Jesus say about that? If you remember, Jesus responds to the whole situation happening in the house. And if you remember, she say, he says, Martha, 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 Martha. Martha, you, you are worried and you are upset over all these details. And there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. And most of us are Martha's. I can, I can think right now just over my past month at the moments that I've been quick to act and quick to speak and quick to get annoyed and quick to get frustrated. And at the end of every one of those days, I can hear Jesus saying, Stuart, 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 Stuart. We're Martha's. We're quick to task and quick to act. Not very quick to listen. King Solomon wrote in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 12, he said, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. 2015, which I thought was just a couple of years ago, but it turns out it was longer ago than that. There's an author named William Urey who spoke at a, a TED Talk, and he basically restated Solomon's words from thousands of years ago. He said it this way, listening is the missing half of communication. Absolutely necessary, but often overlooked. We live in the age of communication. In my lifetime, the advancements that have happened to communication, we were talking about it earlier uh, today, we were talking about the, the giant landline phones that we all used to have in our house and how indestructible they were. They were horrible, they were awful, but man, you couldn't hurt them if you took a baseball bat to them. And we have advanced to these places where we have these nice little fragile glass things that we carry around with us, great communication that we can speak and text and do all these kinds of things. And yet with all those advancements that have happened to communication, we are no further along in getting the second half, the missing half of communication down than we've ever been. James' words from 2,000 years ago are still absolutely accurate. See, someone who is genuinely listening, okay, and I'm not talking about listening for the pause that happens in the conversation so you can start to sneak in your point of view. 
Okay? I'm not talking about just listening to what everybody says so that you can start building your case of what you're going to say, but when you are listening and you're paying attention to the words and you're paying attention to the mood and you're paying attention to the tone and you're paying attention to the body language that you're seeing so that you can fully understand what somebody's saying and how they feel about what they're saying. That's you being genuinely listening. But when we're selfish listeners, that's when we're crafting our comment when we're not saying anything. The only reason that we're not saying anything is we haven't quite pieced our thoughts together yet well enough for what we're about to spout off at you and show off how smart we are. And there's an exchange of words that takes place and we converse, but we don't really connect. If we were quick to listen, if we were to say nothing and choose instead to listen wholeheartedly to what's being said, relationships would change in our life. Hey, think about this. What, what if parents actually listened to their kids? If that were the case, we might not just say things at them but instead have conversation with them. Or how about this one? What if wives actually listen to their husbands? It's a fantasy. Let me stay there for a moment. I'm kidding. Put them both together. What if wives listen to their husbands? What if husbands listen to their wives? And if that were happening, I, I don't know the specific details, but there's a couple of things I know would happen. We would have less divorce, and we would have happier marriages if we listened. What if world leaders would listen to their people? What if congregations would listen to their pastors? I thought that one would be funnier. <laughs> Think about your life. When, when someone really listens to you, and they actually hear you, and they can tell you back what you said to them, you tend to want to listen to them then, too. Okay, it turns out that listening is contagious. Okay, when someone gives you their full attention, and you know they're giving you their full attention, you tend to want to reciprocate in that. And so here's what James tells us. He's like, first off, say nothing. Be quick to listen. And then be slow to speak. Okay. So when it comes to this whole idea of saying nothing, this is where it gets really difficult for us. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says this, So let your words be few. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. When it comes to us saying nothing, <laughs> these words right here matter to our ability to say nothing. Th th this last phrase, too many words make you a fool. Just, just think about this for a moment as it pertains to your life, to your compartments, to your conflicts that pop up, to the conflict man management that takes place. This is huge. 
Because if you were to approach things, if I were to approach things in my life with this verse in the back of my head all the time, and realizing that too many words makes you a fool. Remember, too many words make you a fool. If we were to do that, it would change so many of our relationships for the better. No matter how many years you've been married, no matter how many fights and arguments have already happened, no matter how many conflicts have, have gone down the road, your marriage changes for the better if in the midst of conflict, if in the midst of disagreement, you think about this verse. Too many words make you a fool. And it's not just marriages. If you're in a dating relationship, okay, here's the great thing for you to think about. If you're in a dating relationship, however long it's been and however many fights you've had, this verse still applies, okay? So if you get to use this verse into a dating relationship, you don't have all the history of all the fights that have taken place in a marriage relationship and all the, the history of the conflicts and the sleeping on the couch that's happened over the years, okay? You don't have that to overcome. You just kind of come clean to this to start with. And how much better is your relationship because of it? Early on in our marriage, okay, and just... So we're clear uh, what early on means. Station I next month will be uh, 28 years for us. Um, and so at, at, at that point, when I say earlier in our marriage, I could mean 25 years ago. Or when I say earlier in our marriage, I could mean last week. Okay, so just so we're clear, when I say earlier in our marriage, you don't get to guess when that is. It's any of that spectrum, okay? So earlier in our marriage, um, I was quick to speak into conflict that happened. I was quick to, to start talking right away. Now, part of that is from a profession standpoint. I speak for a living. So my idea is that when conflict happens, when, when there is an argument that's taking place, when there's a debate that's about to, to happen, I need to get words into that thing, okay? Because if I can get words into that thing, then I can, we can win, okay? Uh, um, we can win. Because really, isn't that what we're having the conversation for and the debate for and the argument for is because we're trying to make us better? That's what I thought. When I dig down into it, the truth is I'm just trying to make me better. I want to win because I want to win. So my idea is to just, let's start talking. Let's get a bunch of words on the table and see where we go from there. Stacia typically has a different process. Her process is to gather in all the data, gather in all the information. Let's kind of look at all the stuff. Let's find out all the things we can find out, and then let's piece it all together and figure out what is actually the wisest move for us. Because she's actually in it for us. And so her process kind of looks like this. It's, hey, let's stop, let's think, Let's pray and then speak, okay? Stop, think, pray, and then speak. And it turns out that's a pretty good process. That leads to a whole bunch of success. Stop, think, pray, and then speak. My process is different than that. Mine looks more like this. Act, speak, hope for the best. Let's throw a whole bunch of stuff on the wall. Let's see what sticks, and we'll work it out from there. It can't be that bad. This, as it turns out, not as successful, but I keep doing it. 
And what actually happens is that this leads to some pretty ugly moments. And this, this ends up leading to some angry moments that you really never saw coming. Have you been involved in that in your relationships? Whether it's marriage, whether it's dating, whether it's friendship. Have you ever been in one of those conversations that started off that you were kind of joking? You were just trying to be funny and it was a discussion and a conversation and, and it didn't get taken as funny as you meant it to be. Kind of like that joke I told a minute ago. It didn't really go anywhere. And now suddenly instead of it being funny, it's not just that it didn't go well and it went badly and it got ugly, but it turned angry. I mean, it turns angry when we never intended it to turn angry and it turns out that James knew exactly what he was talking about 2,000 years ago when he wrote James chapter one. Because there is a direct link between opening your mouth and anger. And sometimes it's your anger and sometimes it's theirs and sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's not. Back to Proverbs. Solomon said, where words are many, Sin is not absent. Final thought from James. Quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Now, as a, as a side note on this one, I recognize that there are some issues in our world, there are some parts of our society, some parts of our relationships, whether it's marriage or family, where we need to speak up where we need to kind of take a stand, okay? It's a, it's a righteous anger that builds up inside of us. And, 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 and because there's righteous on the front end of that anger, it's not the wrong kind of anger. It's righteous anger that we should have about certain things. And, and I'm not denying that. However, I am admitting and maybe also pointing out that far too often, righteous anger is an excuse for selfish, private anger. <laughs> and that it's really just a bad temper, not justice. And it's really just rage and not a righteous cause. See, James said in James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, slow to get angry. And then he says in verse 20, Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. See, as humans, it's hard for us to get this one right. It's hard for us to balance and measure our anger in an appropriate way. It gets out of control, and it gets out of control fast. It's what led Paul to, to write in, in one of his letters, in your anger, do not sin because he knew how quickly those go together. It's possible for you to get angry and not sin, but it's probably not going to happen. And so we, we tend to kind of live with this justification in our mind. We're gonna justify our anger. And so we justify our anger with some phrases like this, somebody has to take a stand, or somebody's gotta speak up. Or we say in our relationships, I am not gonna be a doormat. Or I, I, shame on me if I don't say something here. But that whole vibe is a slippery slope that very soon starts to look like act, speak, hope for the best. And at the end of the day, 
when you're done with your righteous anger, that you're calling and labeling righteous anger, the people in your life characterize you as slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to get angry. Because when we're slow to listen, we, we miss the other side of the story and we miss the context of the hurt and the pain that someone is feeling. And we miss the, the reasoning behind what they think, what they say, how they're feeling that actually is pretty logical for them whether you agree with it or not. And because we were so quick to speak, we decided to cut someone down or we decided to lash out at someone and pick on someone's character or pick on someone's virtue with theories and with suspicions that may or may not be true. We've just kind of built the story in our head and we're ready to start talking. And the whole thing just made us angry. And when we get that kind of angry, if you want to find the source of that anger, sometimes the best place for you to look is in the mirror. Because the real reason that you're angry is because you didn't listen. And the real reason that you're angry is because you said some words that you can't take back and they're just out there. And now the anger has overcome you. And as it turns out, when it comes to your relationship with God, anger is not what God desires for you. See, all of this applies to our relationships with each other, but it also applies to our relationship with God. Okay? It's why prayer is so important. God is wanting there to be this communication line between us. And God wants to hear from us. God wants to hear words spoken from us to him, but he also wants us to hear from him. And so he says in Psalm 46, he says, be still and know that I am God. That, that, that right there is the right posture for us to take in any form of prayer, whether we're the speaker or we're the listener. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know. That's the posture for us to take always, always, always before God. And there are plenty of places in Scripture that speak to us speaking to God. There's plenty of people who spoke to God. There's plenty of people who spoke at God. It's not like God doesn't want to hear from us. It's not like God doesn't want us to speak to him. But I think the passage is really kind of driving us towards this posture of openness and receptivity before God. To be still and know that he is God. By being quick to listen even in our times of prayer. To be slow to speak even in our times of prayer when we are together with God. That's, that's what God says, be willing to be still and say nothing. I've looked at some important words over the past couple of months. And there are some of the words that we've looked at that need to be spoken in some of your relationships. And, and they, they need to be spoken in such a way that people in your relationships and maybe you in your relationships need to feel the weight of some of those words as they're spoken. But sometimes 
the greatest gift that can be given into a moment, into a season, into an experience, into a situation, and into a relationship is a moment when you remember to quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. And so you say nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for who you are and how you communicate with us. God, in this moment right now, it just feels as though the the measure of our prayer times when we've had them have been us telling you what we want done and how we want things to go and how we want you to respond and what we have figured out. And yet James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. It wasn't just meant for our relationship with each other but our relationship with you. God, we thank you for Jesus who modeled this for us. Who modeled within his relationships to be listening to people that he knew and the deep friendships that he had and listening to people that he didn't know and hearing where they're coming from and their point of view. and then speaking wisdom into their life. God, would you help us in those moments where it is necessary in our marriages, in our friendships, in our parenting, in our work life, our church life, would you help us to recognize the moments when it would be best for us to say nothing. We thank you for Jesus and his not only lessons through modeling and teaching that he gave to us, but his sacrifice and his grace and his mercy and his love that he extends to us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask this morning that you'd stand with me. And this may be a day that you need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you have felt that you've been trying to be in control for far too long and you need to let Jesus lead your life from this point forward. And you need to say yes to him and you need to be baptized today. If that's a decision that you have, we invite you to walk forward. We have folks who will be here to talk with you and pray with you about that decision. Or maybe you just have questions about that decision or you wanna be a part of this church. If those are decisions you wanna make today, we invite you to come. But for the rest of us, and this may seem odd, but as we sing our worship to our God, May we just let him speak to us. May we listen to what he has to say to our hearts and our minds even right now. May we lift our voices in worship to our king. Let's sing together.
Just one. 
Jesus, you 